Welcome to Talent Sandbox, the podcast that explores how talent acquisition professionals can optimize and future-proof talent acquisition. My name is Neil. I'm the co-host of Talent Sandbox podcast. Join us as we explore the latest trends, strategies, and best practices for attracting and retaining talent in your organization. Our talent acquisition practitioners will share their real-world insights on everything from smart sourcing, candidate experience, diversity and inclusion, through to the building of a global talent acquisition function. We will leave you with actionable takeaways that you can apply in your business. Whether you're a recruiter, are a manager or HR professional, we're here to build a better talent acquisition process for everyone. I'm absolutely delighted to be um, chatting to Julie Coombs today. Julie is the Vice President of Talent Acquisition globally at Tascos. Tascos are not your typical business process outsourcing or professional services company, as they believe that happy customers are only possible with happy employees. They partner with uh, organizations across the globe and mostly are disruptive brands. So welcome, Julie. So please tell the, the listeners a little bit about you and your career so far. Thank you very much. Delighted to, to be here today. Neil, thank you. Um, so I suppose a little bit of background um, on my career. Um, I don't know whether there's many people in recruitment out there that wake up one day and say, right, I'm, I'm going to be a recruiter today. Um, but I think from a sort of a young age, going through secondary school, oh, you always wanted to be a leader and leading people always came as as easy, I think. And um, I always thought that might lend itself to business. I actually went to university to study language and linguistics and hated it, sitting in a Spanish ling linguistics class, thinking, what am I doing with my life here? So I dropped out of university and didn't tell anybody and re-registered for every business class or, or course that I could ever think of really? um, in the island of Ireland. Um, went into clearing and eventually got on to HR, which was by a total coincidence and, and luck. And um, I didn't even have the grades to get into HR at that time because my A-levels weren't to the right level. Um, my mother nearly had a heart attack whenever I told her that I was had dropped out of that and was now doing uh, human resource. <laughs> she had never heard of in her life before. Um, so off I set uh, to to Jordanstown to, to study HR and actually excelled, um, even though I didn't on paper have the grades to do well. It was something that came naturally to me. And I was very lucky that I was in a university degree that had a placement year. Right. And I actually did my placement with Capita. And um, in that placement year, we rotated around all the functions within HR. So we had payroll, we had... Mm your typical HR, we had recruitment and we had the opportunity to get a taster for everything. And as soon as I hit recruitment, I wouldn't leave. Right. And I literally followed them around and tried to learn as much as possible. And I think recruitment set well for me because I love the end result. Um, you know, with some of the other things that you have to deal with in human resource management, it's it's tricky. It can be difficult. Close. Recruitment, you're getting that end result. You get that satisfaction from filling a role or filling multiple roles. So that was it. Um, it was going to be recruitment. So whenever I finished my degree, I got my first job um, with a company called HCL, which is an Indian-owned BPO organization. Um, I actually worked for Katrina Hutchison O'Neill um, at that time and learned a lot from her. Um, and did about a year and a half with HCL and it was volume, high volume recruitment, corporate roles in there as well. Mm. Started to sort of feel like 
volume was maybe going to suit me. And then I moved to um, a company called LBM, another BPO, and started to work my way up the career ladder. Within LBM, we were acquired um, on three separate occasions. So we went to Stream, then we went to Convergis, and then we went to Concentrix. Um, but still the one organization and through each of those acquisitions, you know, a scare, an acquisition is a scary time, but actually for me, it was a real opportunity because the company got bigger and I got more responsibility. So it went from filling classes of 20 a month to, um, delivering two and a half thousand hires a month mm. for Centrix. And, you know, that was sort of in a five, six year period that that yeah. sort of, you know, really blew yeah, up. Yeah. Um, and then 13 years with Concentrix, the opportunity arose to move to Tascos, um, a smaller BPO, um, but an opportunity for me to to look at a global um, uh, setup, whereas my focus with Concentrix had been pan-European languages um, that side. And now I'm supporting our teams globally um, with talent acquisition. So uh, an opportunity for me, I suppose, to get that breadth of experience um, as well. So, yeah, and that's Fantastic. where I'm Fantastic story. I didn't realize we both, uh, you worked for Convergis. In fact, I used to work for Convergis as a consultant back in oh, in the past. Yeah, yeah. So the, the yeah. site of the story is in Spain, in fact. So, yeah. It's a small world, isn't it? It is a small world, yeah. So Tesco's mo- motto is to partner with disruptive brands. Um, which is a really bold statement, uh, I thought when I when I did the the kind of the, the research. So you know, it's a it's it's really clear. And as we both know, the TA function has become disrupt- disruptive itself. You know, with new technology, automation, robotics, etc. The last um, five to six years. So, what do you think the, the biggest challenge is that talent acquisitions facing right now? Oh. I, th- I think there's a number of challenges and some challenges within talent acquisition probably will always continue to cycle around like mm. ills or lack of, um, I suppose, the, the the people out there to hire into roles. I think probably the biggest challenge at the minute and certainly what I've experienced in my last few years in Concentrix and then moving into Tascas, particularly is the question mark of technology. And um what should technology should we be using? What's the best technology to support recruitment? And also, how far do you want to go with it? And um, you know, and how do you continue to have the the human touch? Because I get a little bit nervous about you know the right experience for our candidates coming through. So, um, I think that's probably the biggest. When, when I think in house in teams and for recruitment leaders. It's, you know, it's making sure that they have an automated recruiting process that takes away that manual drag on recruitment teams, but also that it's infused with a great experience for the candidates and the recruiters ultimately. And and that's, I mean, the the, the industry that you you work in, um, you know, it's it's about looking for those efficiencies and and how do you balance that between the efficiencies but also the 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 human elements and um, between that and technology? But I think, and it's a really, really interesting question. I definitely fight with it quite a bit with my with myself as with in Concentrix as I was leaving there. We had just implemented a new CRM, um, and one of my major projects with Tasks at a minute is to automate our hiring process. So okay. something that I'm always thinking about: how do I get this right? 
But I think candidates now, particularly for the roles that we're hiring for, if I think about our more sort of volume-based roles, they want the process to be easy and efficient, particularly at the front end. So for candidates, they're expecting to be able to quickly move through an application process where they're expecting a more human touch is at the point they make contact with the recruiter. So I think by automating the front end and making that experience a little bit easier for the candidate, once they then get to have a conversation with the recruiter, the recruiter can spend more time in identifying the right person for the role. So we free up the recruiters from the you know, the, the, the suppose the admin based stuff at the beginning and let them spend more time on getting the right profile for success. And that's where I'm trying to focus on at the minute with our transformation of our recruitment process and task. Yeah. That's a great, great, great task you've taken on. And I think that's the, the challenge that other organizations are facing around the world right now. Um, that productivity element and doing more with less as well, uh, but keeping the you know, and we didn't really call it out specifically, but that candidate experience um, is, you know, it become continues to be critical. Um, and, and you know, as you think forward uh, in terms of leveraging technology, is there certain things that you've, uh, as an organisation, you think about could be beneficial to to adopt uh, around technology? Yeah, I was only just having a debate about this on Friday. Um, we were talking about um, chat GPT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Taskos have developed um, Taskos um, GDP, so our like an in-house kind of version, obviously using the same technology. And we're predominantly using it for our teammates, so our frontline um, teammates uh, support them. So say they're dealing with a, a customer, they can use the chat to kind of go help me answer this question. And the chat gives them an instant answer and it's written lovely and and it will help it will help their customer experience with our clients customer. Right? I was like, how could I use this for recruitment? <laughs> um I actually had a bit of a brainstorm with the guy that has developed that for Task Us on Friday, kind of going like, how could we use it? So we're thinking about things like maybe writing job descriptions or writing emails for engaging candidates, particularly when you're going out and you're sourcing a difficult profile. Mm -hmm. So little things like that. So I don't think I really, or there's probably loads of other people out there that have come up with really good ideas. So I need to try and do a bit more research on that. But I think that's going to come down the line when it comes to technology. Um, And then just automation of the process. You know, that's the pressure on me. You mentioned it earlier about um, how can I get better um, hiring ratios? How can I hire more people with less resource? Hmm. How can I do that efficiently, but also give a great experience? So that that's one of the things we're trying to think about our tech um, as well at the minute and also not have 15 different pieces of technology to do two or three things. So yeah. Yeah, a lot of debate that going on at the moment. As that better is. And, and every organization is the same. But it's intriguing, the chat GPT, because there's a lot of talk about how it'll, you know, AI will revolutionize, you know, talent acquisition, which it it's already there in most yeah. cases. You know, we've already got AI embedded in, in some of our tools. But, uh, you know, I think I'd love to hear your view around, you know, whether you see it as an enabler or, or a replacement of, of some activities, you know, that, that balance. I haven't even really thought of what as a replacement. Uh, anything with this, uh, it's trying to enable the recruiters to do a better job, um, bring in better talent, make their life easier. 
when I first joined Taskos, um, I did a lot of roundtables globally because I think, you know, it's a way to find out, you know, it's like if I if I had and I always say to them, like if I was had a Harry Potter wand and I could wave it, how could I make your life easier? And the things they talk to me about are just less spreadsheets, less admin, less processing. They're passionate about going and filling the roles and doing a good job. They just don't want to. And I, I just think I think that's a genuine thing. Recruiter. Um, so I'm always thinking about it as an enabler. You know, how can I take that off the team where they don't have to get frustrated writing a big, complicated email and they could actually be outsourcing really strong candidates for their role. So um, I think it'll be an enabler and not be a replacer, but it might see us in, get better efficiency. Yeah. So be able to hire more people with less recruiters that, you know, that's obviously ideal. And then the recruiter's job, you mentioned before, the recruiter's job generally has got much more complicated, you know, multiple technology systems, multiple processes in some cases. So, um, you know, how do you, how do you as a TA leader try to, um, to make the life of the recruiter easier as you, as you look through, you know, your, your global processes? Yeah. And I think back to whenever I started as a recruiter and, I don't think of myself as that old, but I used to run out to buy the paper on a Friday to read the job adverts in the back of the paper to see, you know, what the adverts looked like and your applications came in either on paper or an email. Mm. Now we ask so much of our recruiters, they have to be switched on all the time. They have to know what platforms they're working off, how they're advertising, how they're driving the pipeline into the, the technology as well. So totally agree. Um, to help with our recruiters with that we're we've launched a suite of training we've actually retrained last year so the last quarter of 2022 mm -hmm. back to basics on systems usage because sometimes we push systems out and everybody goes yes 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 we know how to use that and actually when the reality hits and you start processing candidates through your ATS there's loads of problems mm. So we did a 101 on recruiter basics, like, you know, just how to hire and process yeah, yeah. us. And now we're taking it to the next stage, right? We have to think about what additional skills on top of just the 101 do the team have. So, you know, thinking about, I, I don't think from recruiter skills we'll ever get away from being able to be actively able to listen and communicate. As a recruiter, your job is to fill roles and your stakeholder is your internal customer, right? So it's your hiring manager. So you have to be able to communicate internally, but you have to be able to communicate and actively listen to your candidates. But I also think that we need to give additional support to our recruiters in technology mm -hmm. and automation and how they can use that to their advantage. And sometimes when you talk to recruiters, as much as they need and want help, but then you say, right, you're going to get this new tool. It's like, oh, we don't want change. No, 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 no. Um, so you have to really think about how you enable them, what benefit is going to happen for them as well. Um, and I think when they can see that benefit, then they really open up and they want to do additional training and they want that skills as well. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And it's, it's interesting to them about the technology. So I, I sure um, had a shocking statistic in an organization. They did a review of adoption rates. And it was as little as forty percent adoption. So, um, so we spend all this money. We talk about technology. We talk about how valuable enable how it'll enable TA teams. But the reality is, the the adoption so low. You know, on the on the back end. 
So, so I agree the, you know, the, the, the emphasis around making sure they've got the right skills and the right focus to, to adopt those technologies is, is as important as the technology itself right now. And it's a, it's a lot for them to balance as well, Neil, right? So if you think about, particularly, you know, in a fast paced moving organization, your, your, your talent is your, is your wealth, right? If you don't have the people to do the job, you are not going to drive revenue and make money as a business. So, you know, you know, I'm, I'm very biased, but I think recruitment is such a critical, critical function in any organization. And, um, and if you think if your job as a recruiter, you're under pressure to fill roles, go, 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 fill, fill, fill. Um, but you also have a lot of learning to take in and understand new technologies and new processes. And I pop up and go, hi, we've got this new technology. You have to get rid of all your spreadsheets and you can't do it like that anymore. And then you have a stakeholder that's roaring at you because, you know, they've not got their role filled. So sometimes, you know, that's where you get your 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 lack of compliance because the, cor- the corners are cut to try and deliver the numbers for the business, which is critical. So I I try to always think about that when we're planning training or, or and we're working through a new technology implementation at the moment for Task Us. Mm-hmm. And we're thinking about, you know, rolling that out in stages, mm-hmm. having prep time, ensuring that all the sessions are recorded, everybody is involved in the build out so that when we actually go live, it feels like it's our product, it's our technology, not, oh, Julie's implemented this new technology that we have to use. So yeah. trying to be mindful of that. As Absolutely. Well. Yeah, it sounds like you. sounds like you're doing the right things. So when we, we talk about skills, I mean, apart from the technology uh, elements, I mean, how historically have you tried to embed skills development in your team? Um in the past year, whether that's through group sessions or whatever else? Um, certainly in a, when we were in Concentrics, we did a lot of sessions. Um, we actually did a lot of like brown bag type session. Right. Come to a session for an hour and we would have had different guest speakers come to those sessions and talk about a certain element, you know. So I, I would have always been quite passionate. The team was quite large and we had a lot of middle managers. So we've done yeah. a lot of sessions on um, you know, how to be a strong leader, how to engage your team, because particularly into a volume recruiting world, you're not only delivering your volume, but you're bringing a big team with you that have to deliver that volume. So, you know, supporting the middle managers on how to be a great leader, how to upskill their team. And then, you know, going down a level, then we would have done a lot of sessions with where we would have encouraged the supervisors and managers to do side by sides, listening to the recruiters, giving coaching and active feedback. You can send your team to lots of online sessions and all of that, but actually genuinely sitting down with the recruiter, listening to them talk to a candidate, listening to how they engage and giving them tips and hints and coaching and feedback, that's very, very hard to replace as a really good coaching um, technique. So we could have done a lot of that. Now within Task Us, um, to support our global team. So we have regional VPs um, and then my job is to ensure that we have consistency globally. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're developing um, uh, a program, um, which I know we've talked about, Neil, to support mm-hmm. our recruitment teams. We've done that 101 basics and now we need to upskill, you know, so how do you go and source for um, particular, um, you know, languages or how do you go and source particular skills? So we'll be doing those sessions ideally in... Um, online training but also offline sessions and group sessions an opportunity to to share best practice 
Because again, that was one of the big things in those roundtables. The teams asked a lot of was, we don't get to talk to our colleagues globally. How can we share best practice? So we started to try and replicate that. So the team in North America might be doing something fabulous, but our team in Southeast Asia never hear about it. So, you know, and we spoke about this before, but the you know creating that standard across the globe is is so important, particularly when you're in a service led organization like like you are. Um, you know, but when you've got global teams, I mean, I know when I've been running teams globally, it's difficult to get those people together. You know, it's difficult to create that consistency. So, you know, and obviously that's part of the the journey we're on, of course, as a as a business. Um, but you know, I'm I'm interested to understand. Um, you know, this you mentioned it very briefly before, but the kind of the soft and hard skills, as you as you see it. Um, you know, and of course we know a lot about the hard skills, but we don't often talk about the soft skills that, that are required within talent acquisition. So any, any particular view on that of, of, you know, how you see that playing out in the future as well? Yes. Um, I, I am very passionate about the soft skills. I actually think that soft skills are nearly more important than some of the hard skills when it comes to recruitment, you know, um, and certainly when we would be interviewing not obviously you're you want the hard skills there you need somebody that can do x y and z skills but personality and behaviors are a big thing within recruiting and if you think about the role that recruiters play you know when um an external person sees a business the first contact they have is with the recruiter and that's their first impression and we've done a lot of sessions on this in the past we had a big project and and customer experience or candidate I suppose it is customer experience um in concentrics and and helping our recruiters to realize their importance um so when we're looking at soft skills <clears throat> looking at the ability to communicate and engage and you know how to use your tone and talk to people mm-hmm. and make them feel important and understood and listen to what they're saying you know so that soft skills really important and the soft skill to be able to then, and I mentioned it briefly earlier, turn that internally. So to go and have a conversation with a difficult hiring manager or, you know, a difficult leader that doesn't understand why you can't fill their hiring demands, you you need to be able to have the ability to communicate at different levels and the emotional intelligence to adjust your attitude to deal with that situation. So if you're a candidate, I am upbeat, friendly, engaging, and present brand and if I'm dealing with a manager who has got a problem I'm understanding but clear and firm in in, in how I'm explaining it and so those soft skills are non-negotiable for me in a recruiter um, front end they're they're very very important and and that level of emotional intelligence to be able to adapt to situations really important mm. no I'd, I, I totally agree I mean we and we're, we're going to be rolling out our new skills framework soon. And that's a blend between hard and soft skills moving forward. Um, because there's been, in my opinion, there's been too much emphasis on just the hard skills in terms of what you're doing rather than how you're doing it. Um, so so that was one of the, you know, the real drivers to to create that framework. So thinking about the skills then, Julie, what, what would be the, the kind of the top three skills you think, and I think you might have mentioned some of them already, but the top three skills that you believe are going to be important for the future of talent acquisition? So the future um, of, of talent acquisition, certainly, and I, I, I'm probably going to go back to the the communication piece, right? 
even if we are taken over by AI and ninety percent done, we still we still need um, recruiters, recruitment leaders to be able to communicate whether that's externally or internally, whether it's your branding or your marketing teams that you want this advert and it needs to look like this. Mm-hmm. You need people that can confidently communicate and adjust that level of communication to the audience that they're speaking to. So that for me is number one. And um, number two is skill-wise is the ability to adapt to technology. And, and when I say adapt, I mean to take on change because yeah. You know, the tech. Let's face it. The technology now is so advanced; it's actually fairly simple. Mm. You know, training's good. You know, it's. I mean, you can follow a recruiting process in a piece of technology fairly simply. It's not that everybody has to have these high levels of intelligence. Mm. Deal with the tech. It's the change. It's the change in the process and understanding why and how it's Mm. going to be delivered. So that adaptability to change predominantly linked to technology because that's going to be the I see the main change that recruiters are going to have to adjust to and then I was thinking about sort of that final area that I feel is important and I think it's that ability to build relationships and network recruitment because um, one of the things certainly that I'm not as good at is going out there and building my network and being brave and going Mm -hmm. and understanding what's changing in the environment and recruiters, certainly when they're going out and sourcing um, or even simple things like negotiating a contract on a job board or, you know, dealing with a, a recruitment agency, um, they need to be able to network. They need to be able to build a relationship. And I think that's very important um, for talent acquisition teams. Yeah, no, that's some great advice to that. Um, you know, and I was with um, a group of global TA leaders recently and they were saying, isn't it really unique the way the TA function has so many different skills. You know, if you think about the the areas that we touch and the access we get in an organization, it's phenomenal. You know, it's unlike any part of the the business you operate in. So we are, you know, I agree with your comment. I mean, it's a great place to operate. You know, we get so much autonomy and um, leverage to, to do things. Um, so as you... Um, think about your career, which is which has been fantastic. Thanks for sharing, you know, the experiences with us. What's the, the, the maybe the one or two things that you would um, advise that somebody's moving into talent acquisition? Um, the things that you would, you know, potentially, um, you know, give them as advice as they, you know, start their career within such a a great function. It is a great function, and. Um... I don't know if there's that as many of functions out there where you can really see a clear career pathing and mm-hmm. you can understand your next steps. I think a couple of el- elements of advice. Um, recruitment's tough. Um, and, you know, in those first number of years, whenever I first left university and went into recruitment, there was definitely days where I thought, what am I doing? You know, like really. And it's tough from, you get it from a lot of different angles. You know, mm-hmm. you you've filled a hiring class or you've just found the perfect candidate mm-hmm. and they're just starting Monday and they drop out. Like, I mean, that's devastating. And also when you think about, you know, difficult hiring managers, you know, we've all been there and had that. Yeah. So certainly give advice on having and knowing that you have a level of resilience that you can get through this environment. And that's that's not a paint a badge picture of talent acquisition. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a tough gig. Yeah. And I think resilience is really important. And then the other the other area is for me 
was trying to get as much exposure and experience as possible so that whenever the next opportunity came, I was ready for it. So remember back whenever I was a recruiter, um, I would have been trying to take on as many tasks as I could have. I used to torture the life out of my manager. Could I do more? What else could I do? Um, I'd have been really visible in front of senior leaders. I'd have been asking to do the presentation. I'd have been asking to meet the client. I just was annoying, and but in a positive business way. Yeah. That meant whenever the next opportunity came for me that they were like, oh, Julie's already doing that. Or Julie's already delivered a thousand hires last month. She could, she could do a thousand. That's fine. You know, so when we went through those acquisitions, it was easier because I had already been trying to step up to the mark. So mm-hmm. certainly getting as much exposure, building the relationships, um, building those, I suppose, business friendships that people then had your back whenever you were going then to, to step up the ladder as well. So, yeah, I think that those are a couple of key things that have certainly helped me as I've clambered up the ladder. Definitely. And a great, great advice. Um so good. Um, well, listen, Julie, it's been lovely talking to you, and thanks for thanks for being on the the podcast today. Um, you know, certainly moving forward, I'd like to get you back on the podcast at some stage because as you continue your journey, you do some really cool things within Tascos, um, and I'd like to hear more about that that story in the future as well. So, so thank you. Thank you. Delighted um, to have been invited, Neil. Thank you very much for having me and. Love to come back. Maybe in a year's time, we'll have totally transformed things and task us. Very excited to talk about it. Great. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks, Julie. See you soon. So that's a wrap for today's episode of Talent Sunbox Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. If you'd like to be a guest of our podcast, then please email us at hello at talentsandbox.com.